Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast after the weekend that was Epsom weekend, classic weekend, Oaks and of course the Betfred derby. What a treat we have to discuss today on the show and I am joined as always by Kevin Blake and Brendan but we have a newcomer, a newcomer to the Weighed In ranks, Daryl Carter. How are you? Welcome to Weighed In. Oh, great. Thank you very much for having me. I was a little bit worried when Barry sent me the email asking me, can I can I do weighed in on Monday? And I was worried he's going to put me on the scales and trying to lose a bit of weight at the minute, Vanessa. And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, give me a couple of weeks. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, bet there, Barry, really cracking the whip when it comes to our weight. But no, no, you're on the weighed in podcast and it's great to have you. Tony Calvin taking a holiday. He'll be back very shortly. But as we've got Daryl on the show, we've got plenty to get stuck into, obviously off the back of the derby. And before we get stuck into the race itself and all the details around it and all the other races too, just as an overview of the weekend, guys, Kevin, you were there. Obviously, we went into this weekend at Epsom with some trepidation due to the protesters. We will get to them in due course. But as an overriding view coming out of Epsom, how did you enjoy Derby weekend? Um, the, yeah, look, it was different, Vanessa. Look, and it's hard not to. And I maybe look, I, I was in a maybe a, a different bubble to most, I suppose. But it's hard not to frame it around the, the threat of the protests because you know I, I was there with ITV for the weekend, like, and it was just everything we were doing was so dominated by provision and contingencies for what might happen. Like it was, everyone's head was just absolutely wrecked, you know, which, which is not a great place to be because you're, you're going into the derby. You want to be focusing on the racing. It's it's one of the great races um, because of these um, these um, extremists, you know, a lot of the focus was shifted. But look, uh, like it was a funny derby. It had different feel to it. Lots of security, um, lots of fences up everywhere. Crowd much reduced. Um, train strikes had a, had a massive impact on the crowds. Um, I, I haven't been to enough derbies. I've only been to a handful, but plenty of um, veterans were, were opining that you know the crowd felt a lot smaller, etc. But look, it was a great occasion. Like the weather was beautiful. It is just such an amazing racetrack. Um, it, it's a it's a wonderful couple of days. And um, for all the 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 rubbish that was going on around it, you know, horse racing did come to the fore. And we got some fabulous racing. We really did. Wonderful yeah. horse races, top horses. And looking forward to uh, lashing through it all now. Yeah, well, exactly that. And, and just finally, before we do move on to the race itself, Daryl, you and me have been watching it. I presume you weren't there, were you, Daryl? No, no, I was watching the no. racing TV coverage at home. Yeah, so I was watching the ITV coverage at home. And, you know, it's funny what Kevin says there, because to be honest with you, like you could kind of tell the crowds were down, I thought. But, you know, the atmosphere still comes through the TV. I still sat and enjoyed it as a derby day. My big takeaway from the day itself was I personally, I totally understand the reasons for running it early. But for me, it just sort of put the whole day out of kilter. You couldn't build up to it with the same zest you would do normally. And then on top of that, after the derby, it just felt like, well, it was essentially, uh, well, towards the latter end of the day, just handicap after handicap after handicap. And you slightly just kind of lost the feel of derby day. Did you get that at all, Daryl? Yeah, 100% Vanessa. It's exactly the same for me. Um, I actually went to the pub after about half three. So um, mm-hmm. I, I, it was quite, I kind of felt like it was, 
over in a flash of an eye and, and a blink of an eye rather and um normally like you say we have that entire day to build up to it the anticipation like you can feel it in the crowd i'm assuming when it's a, a 4 30 start and you know every race is leading up to it and everyone is talking about it i think we missed that this year it was kind of in and out done and dusted and then handicap 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 and yeah it was a slightly disappointing but i think um I think it was something that we had to do this year, although it would be nice for us to stand up and just have racing to be, you know, stand on its own two feet and not worry about the FA Cup. But I, I can see why they're doing it. And it, yeah, but you're, you're, entire, you're entirely correct. It didn't have the same feel as a normal derby day. But I do think uh, this weekend was a win for racing, though. Overall, I think it was a, a good couple of days. I think it was a big, big win for racing, particularly... You know, some of the, the the racing TV coverage where Lydia Hislop at the at the top of the program said, we're not going to shine light on these protesters. We're not going to give them the airtime they deserve. It's going to be about the racing. It's going to be about the derby. Uh, and, and we got that, albeit it would have been far better at our original time of 4.30. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, let's focus in on the race and the result. Um, August Rodin. I mean, did what clearly the team within camp hoped and thought he would do. So many people lost faith in him after the Guineas. We know that. But Aidan O'Brien was not one of those people. I mean, he was almost uh, sort of over the top in his confidence behind this horse coming into it. And my God, didn't he deliver in some style? Yes, a uh, fine performance. I was one of those people. I, would, I, I didn't back him and I, I, I would would have found it very difficult to back him because I still think they're fairly flimsy excuses for the guineas. But whatever the reason, he clearly has trained on and he just didn't run his race in the guineas. That can happen. Uh, very impressive performance. I mean, he, he, he travelled really well through the race. He was probably a little bit further back than ideal given the early fractions. But Ryan never seemed to panic. He's obviously a very strong stayer as as, as befits his pedigree by, by, deep impact, by deep impact out of a Galileo mare. And uh, yeah, I mean, they could look forward to the rest of the season now with them, which will include the Irish Derby. In, in fact, the first four could all run at the Irish Derby, which is great for Irish racing fans. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I thought uh, King, King of Steel, shout out to Kevin Stott. I mean, he was so hard on himself after the race. I find it hard to believe that any horse saved more ground all the way around. I mean, what do you do when those gaps appear? Those horses rolling down the camber, they're not going to stay open forever. So he had to go and take those gaps. All right, maybe a horse in the third run of his life was in front of fraction too soon. But I'm not sure that I heard afterwards people saying, oh, he got two and a half, three lengths up. I don't think he was ever more than a length and a half up. And I think Ryan was always fairly confident he had him covered. And beat him snug enough in the end. I thought the best horse won. White Birch plugged on uh, re really well. Uh, again, he has these issues at the start, but we probably see him in the Irish Derby, which which I'll enjoy as well. Um, he, he's more of a ledger horse. Those, the, the, the people who own him won, won the ledger with a, a Joseph O'Brien trained horse, so, uh, whose name escapes me. Uh, no, very, very, very similar colours, but different owner. Oh, it was different. Oh, all right. Well, I have that wrong. So, okay. Well, you would still think the ledger would be would be on his radar, but uh, uh, Spreewell wasn't comfortable on the on the track all the way around, and then got messed around at about the two furlong pole. He probably should have been third. Shane Foley certainly would have been happy to hit those gaps that Kevin Stott was ruining. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he he ran very well and. He probably would have been third. There's no way he was he was an unlucky loser or, or, or anything. But I, I think the curve will suit him better and you might see him get closer to August Oldham. 
Okay, those are Brendan's takeaways then from the derby itself. Kev, coming into the race, there were so many stories in regards to so many of the runners, whether it be a small-time trainer or a trainer looking for their first derby win or a jockey having their first ride. So many different angles in. And of course, in many ways, fairy tales are nice. But at the end of the day, the derby is the derby and you want the best horse to win it. And in August Rodan, I just got the sense that we have the best trainer in the world, the best jockey in the world the best breeding you could find literally anywhere in the world. And that's what all came to fruition and won the race. Some will say it's boring, but for me, to see the best winning the best is what we want in this game, as much as the fairy tales around that. Yeah, for sure. And look, of all the of all the runners that made it to Epsom, you know, August Rodan was the one with the best two year old form too. You know, yeah. so you just it was just that that small matter of an absolute flap at Newmarket. Um, and look, it was anyone really with, with, with a price driven approach would have been very slow to to get involved with August Rodan. But look, um, I suppose there was information there that wasn't um, couldn't be viewed publicly, i.e. what Aidan O'Brien had been seeing since since Newmarket, which made them like like eerily confident, um, despite how how worrying that performance at Newmarket was. And sure, look, it translated. Um, it was just what you want the derby to be. Now, mind. You always want the derby to have a bit more pace in it than this did. Um, it wasn't a well-run derby. Like, God, the finishing speeds were, were rapid. Um, like, I'm looking on time form here. They, they have 114.1% finishing speed for, for um, August Rodan. Like, and I know that the, the finishing speeds at Epsom would be fast, you know, would be well above 100% anyway, such as the nature of the track. But that's rapid. Like, and the fact that two horses could come away um, so far from the rest, you know, from established trial winners and horses that showed up very well in established trials, you know, I think gives this a really solid look. Um, I know the runner-up was a, a surprise, um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be questioning him. Like, he, he's just a very good horse. He just hadn't had the, the opportunity to show it. We'd only seen him twice, once on ground that was pr probably very unsuitable for him on the wrong side of the track in the very temperaturity. And, um you know, August Rodan, how could you not love him? Like, Jesus. Um, he showed all the tools you want the Derby horse to have. Like, he has the pedigree. He has the action. Like, he's a beautiful mover. Um, and Ryan was able to give him, you know, a pretty no-nonsense ride, albeit from a little bit further back than he probably wanted to be. And he was well on top of the line. So, um, on we go. I hope he goes for the Irish Derby. Um, the 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 Coolmore team are always keen to support that race. And the Eclipse would be an obvious alternative. Um, timelines would fit in well so look all options open but um, great to see it another deep impact like my god imagine imagine a deep impact that stayed alive for a little bit longer um, like Coolmore were only scratching the surface like they only had um, I'd say god they must have had less than around somewhere around a dozen deep impacts maybe a bit more and they got August Rodan Saxon Warrior Snowfall you mm -hmm. know uh, amongst others like imagine they'd, if they'd been able to, to rattle that for a little bit longer um, but yeah. yeah, fantastic race. Really enjoyed it. White Birch ran a smasher. Um, didn't help himself at the start. Held up off a slowly run uh, in a slowly run race. Ran huge. Spreewell should have been third. Um, really unfortunate for for Shane Foley. He was in. Uh, like if you pause the race, you know, with maybe five furlongs to run, you had August Ronan three wide. You had Spreewell just inside him two wide, and King of Steel on the rail. You know, those three were essentially in the same position. King of Steel got all the Beano run up the inside. August Rodan had to come around him and Spreewell stayed in the middle and, and got boxed up and lost lengths. And that yeah. certainly cost him a third. But 
Um, you know, th- those are, are the main four for me. Um, and we, we could well see them all bash heads again because if, if the winner goes to the Irish Derby, I'd say all four will run, uh, which will be great. I know which one I'd be back at. Um, but the order of the of the other three um has the potential to swap around a bit. And um it'd be great for the Irish Derby if they all did turn up. Yeah, Irish Derby could be the next step for a few of these. Uh for the Arc the three on Gus Rodan is now six to one from twenties. Obviously a big mover. Um Daryl, bringing you in here. Are you one of these people, like we can all wax lyrical about the winner, which we have done, and I think rightly so. But obviously picking up on what Kev said there about the pace of the race itself, not particularly a truly run derby, but also, you know, the the price of the winner, a relative outsider and king of, sorry, the second place, relative outsider being in second and king of steel. Um, are you one of these people who are going to pick this form apart with a more sort of negative look, or are you happy to take this as a as a very good derby? Yeah, I'm happy to be positive about this. Um, I think before, I think the, the key to looking at form a lot of the time is to remember how you felt coming into the race. Um, when we came into this race, I mean, even the market suggests where they were flip-flopping twin co-favourites the, before the off, there was no standout contender. We were sort of looking for something to take that step forward and, and really stamp their authority on this race. Lots of these, White Birch, Spraywell, um, the Foxes, you know, the Dante form, they, they were a much of a muchest. In a, in, a, in a sense where they had all ran to a, a pretty decent level, but there was no real standout candidate from them. So looking back at the result now, hindsight's a wonderful thing, as we all know, but um, it looks as though two horses have, the two horses that were yet to race beyond the mile have taken that step forward for, for the trip and they've really gone and, and kicked clear and put, put daylight between themselves and the rest of the field. King of Steel, for example, Hadn't had a run this season, so that was a remarkable effort. I thought Kevin Stock gave him a pitch-perfect ride, fantastic ride. But I do feel that Augustus Roden got got on top late, and I thought it was quite comfortable. But it make, the, the form makes sense to me already, um, given the likes of White Birch back in third staying on. He's a horse that's going to frustrate a few people with his antics at the in the stalls and then keep staying on in these races, always looking like he wants a little bit further. That could be a little bit costly for punters down the line. Um, but overall, at the moment, I think it's a pretty strong derby. You can see a few of these, the Foxes dropping back in trip and perhaps giving the, the form a boost, if you like, over a shorter distance. But yeah, I think it's pretty reliable. I think August Roden is very, very interesting. Um, Aidan O'Brien made a comment about the arc. He mentioned the arc there. Um, and they said that if it was deep ground, which we can get at that time of year for the arc, he may not run. Uh, they said that he was very close to pulling them out of the Vertem Fatuity last year on deep ground. So I, I think they'll be mindful of that. And perhaps punters should be mindful of that. He's towards the top of the market for that race down the line. Um, yeah, so I would, I, would, I would hold fire on August Roden at the moment. But um, I can only see this horse improve. And I thought this was 10, 12 pounds better than his first maturity run at Doncaster last year. I, you know, Kev mentioned there that it was some of the strongest two-year-old form in the race. But I thought he was on the favoured side of the track that day. So I, I really think this is a big step forward from him. And uh, he's exciting. He's exciting for the season to come. Okay, three votes for a very positive view on the derby then. Before we move away from the race itself, Kev, I just want to bring you back in here because you were there and you know Aidan O'Brien so well, well, well enough, um, as well as I think a journalist can know Aidan O'Brien, should we say. Um, His demeanour before and after, I know some people take the mick out of him for sort of talking up horses before their time maybe, but it's not even the case with this horse. He just seems to have an unrelenting faith in him. Did you notice a sort of 
difference in his demeanor or how he was speaking before the race. I think I threw, I asked you this question about a week ago in the build up to the derby. And I'm asking it again because it just seemed like he was in a very relaxed, confident place during Epsom. Yeah, like, like look, everyone always you know will 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 be cynical and say it's talk, like, but they really were talking about this horse as the one back in the spring. Like I remember doing doing a Royal Alaska preview with Ryan in like May for Betfair, and he's you know he said at the time August Rodan wasn't going to go to Royal Alaska, but essentially said like yeah he's the one, you know, and that that was you know over a year ago at this stage. And, you know, coming into Epsom, like I think the, the the bit of work he did, his last bit of work that he did um, prior to the derby, I think was just something, something else, I think by all accounts. And it was eerie, you know, like all the, all the team beforehand were saying like, you know, we, we, we don't, you know, we, we can't, can't recall he'd never been as confident coming into a big race, which just seems remarkable given the, the prep race, et cetera. Um, but and you can imagine how satisfying it was because, you know, we talked about it on ITV. Like, I don't think there's any other trainer, top trainer in the world that would have run August Rodan in the Derby off the back of that run in Newmarket. You know, if you thought he was your best horse, you, you just wouldn't have done it, I don't think. And I don't think that's unreasonable thing to say. Like, I just don't think it would happen. And yet he, not only did he run him, he went in there with like this extreme confidence um, it, it 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 was something else. And look, you have to bear in mind as well. Like I know Aiden, he's run a one, one a million group ones, etc. And we we get very um we, the expectations are always so high. But like prior to the weekend before last, like he hadn't had a group one winner this year. You know, it's all kind of turned very quickly for him. And there and you'd be naive to think that there wasn't pressure there. Um, you know, so so but prior to Irish Guineas weekend, like all the three year olds pretty much had flopped. It was go always was going quite badly wrong. And it's based on no time at all. Like they, they have a new one in Paddington, Little Big Bear is very much back on track. Um, and and the big horse Augusta Rodan has won the Derby. Um yeah, like it, it it is it is some game to flip around, but you could tell, you could tell you could tell it from what the you don't need to know him. You just need to watch the interviews to just to, to tell how much he was floating after that race for a fellow that's been there and done it so many times. Um, that that was a particularly sweet one, and you can understand why, given everything that came before it. Okay, uh, let's talk about the protesters now, Brendan, because obviously, as Kevin's already alluded to at the top of the show, leading up to the derby, I think it's fair to say the derby build-up was somewhat marred by the fear of the protesters, what they were going to do, animal rising as a group, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Lots of airtime given to them. If it's be if this weekend has been a win for horse racing, the general feel me seems to be that it was definitely a loss for Team Animal Rising, given their behaviour over the weekend. And what didn't really materialise, except the one protester on the track during the race, which was dealt with so swiftly and effectively by the police and the jockey club security team. Um, was Is it now time, Brendan, just to stop talking, giving these people the oxygen they need? Is it just time just to stop talking about Animal Rising now? Well, it, it, it's an interesting one. I, I I feel like there's no point in talking to them in terms of changing their mind, but it, it, it is important if they're going to get a platform such as on Piers Uncensored, where our boy pitched up against the Cochrane woman. And I mean, this is I'm just going to be blowing smoke up his hole for the next five minutes. But I, I, I thought he did a t- terrific job. Because it was just it was just so matter of fact, and I, I was struck by a couple of things that she said. Well, every other day a horse dies 
on UK race courses in Kensington, but actually it's every two and a half days, which isn't much, but it does translate to, to 30 horses and it's a point wor- worth making. And I, I, I noted in the comments below that, as, uh, I, I can't remember, it was a man or a woman said they, they, they watched the programme with the mother and the mother was on Animal Rising side when it started. Perfectly reasonable. Animal Rising are coming along and said, we love animals. You are a nation of animal lovers. We are simpatico. Grand. That's all, that's all fine. But he said by the end, he or she should have said, said by the end that Kevin had changed the mother's mind. Now, that's, that's, that's only... Go uh, on, the boy, Kevin. Well, it's only one person, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of people out there who aren't on Twitter and it's still, it's important to have have the, someone to stand up to these conversations because otherwise maybe people, people are capable of critical thinking. I get that. And maybe they can work out for themselves that when, when she says, oh, well, well, we'll just retire all the horses and put them into sanctuaries. Maybe people can go. Oh, that's a lot of horses. But Kevin is there to say, well, actually, that's 50,000 horses. And the kind of there's a process. This is an industry here. These aren't pets, you know, and there's a process. They're bred, they're rare, they race and they retire. And that we have structures in place because it's it, it, it's an industry. Um, and I, 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 I just thought he did a really good job there. And if they're going to get that kind of a platform on a show like that, I think it's important that that, 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 that we have someone to say. And I, I, I mean, you can be very matter of fact in it. I mean, if I, if I was on, I'd be terrible at this because I, I, I'd be, be very emotional about it because you talk about the industry and the fact that it puts food on people's tables and, and, and that's hugely important. It is, as I said, an industry. But I would just say, I would say to listen, listen, this game has been going on for 350 years. It is an experiment to produce the fastest load-bearing animal on the planet. Like, you know, it, 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 the history of, of this experiment is a tale written in blood, sweat and tears. Mr. Darley's Arabian might have made it back from Aleppo, but Mr. Darley himself didn't. A lot of people over those 350 years have put in a lot of work to produce this great, well, well, I think it's the greatest game. I mean, what a spectacle to see man and beast in harmony at those kind of speeds. It is a beautiful thing that is definitely worth uh, preserving. So uh, that, that, that's, the, that's the line I would go with, which are much better off, I think, just going with facts and figures. These, they, it, This is what uh, Copland says. And here is my counterpoint because the numbers just don't stack up. And that's how you can change people's minds. And yeah, it's well, a frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's a, it's a frustrating thing, Brandon. Like it's difficult to deal with those interviews because like really we should be keeping it quite broad, but they, they just, they, they will, what they'll do, they all have the same little fact sheet and they'll fire out these inaccuracies and annoyingly mis- deliberately misinterpreted the points. So, uh, and it's hard not to fall into the trap of kind of addressing them specifically. Like I was, I was quite annoyed with the way I dealt with that specific question. You know, oh, this is a four billion pound industry. You're telling me that they won't care for their horses. Like the answer that I should have given was it's a four billion industry now when it's functioning. When you, when you take away the end product, it becomes a zero billion pound industry very, very quickly. And, you know, all the, all the, the trained professionals leave the country all the stables all the accommodation for these horses closes down and well, you, you know just the, the, and the process the process the, the, the processes that we have in place to deal with horses as they come off the track soon disappear um but you shouldn't even you shouldn't even be getting that far because really it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous mm-hmm. suggestion to shut down horse racing you know that's completely it, it's just not going to happen um you know anytime in the, in the next few decades one would hope um and it's just like for me with Animal Rising, and this is the frustration, is that the, how how have they got so much power? 
how have they put themselves in a position? A relatively tiny number of people. They yeah. talked about they mm. talked about thousands of peaceful protesters going to turn up, hundreds of people to disrupt the race. There was literally 40 of them outside Epsom. Kev, and two or, note, two or three so, tried to get on the track. You know, it's yeah, a tiny number so of people. I was surprised when I like have barely given them a click because I just don't want to give them that satisfaction. Mm. But whilst it was floating around on my Twitter, I clicked through to the Animal Rising profile page. And genuinely, genuinely, I was expecting upwards of 100,000 followers on there, at least upwards, maybe even 200,000 followers. Given the airtime they've got on national television, the the amount we're talking, the way they've affected a huge national event in the Derby or the Grand National. And I clicked through and I think it's 23,000. I mean, yeah. like, look, they've played, they've played, yeah, they played a media game very well. They played a social media game very well. Um, but look, the, the sad reality and the reason why we have to take them seriously is it only takes a couple of, of determined people to to wreck our big days. It only takes one guy and that's on the ball to get on the track and literally stop the race. And like really and truly, and that's what I was referring to earlier, like I, I, I made a heavy odds on that the Derby was in big trouble on Saturday. I really did having been involved in conversations with, with the Jockey Club and the BHA and all that offered weeks leading up to it. Like they they knew what was coming. And you have to say they did some job in fairness Amazing. to the Jockey Club. My my God, I've been a heavy critic of them now in recent years. But having be having got a very um a, a very strong insight into what was going on along the whole process, like they played some blinder, you know, from the the meeting that they invited them to, which ended up producing evidence that that contributed to getting the injunction in place. You know the security they put in place. Now it was upsetting to walk around the, to walk the track on Friday and see the, the, this ring of steel around the track, either side of the track. It's sad to see, but necessary because, like we say, it only takes one guy to get on the track. One ultimately did, but it was because they had the people in place that it was only one number one. Like the the the, the pre dawn arrests, you know, arresting people on the track, you know, using you know facial recognition cameras, number plate re- number plate scanning cameras. Um, intelligence-led operations, like they they nailed this. Like, and I know one guy got on the track at the worst possible time, but he was dealt with so quickly. Um, like this, this could have been a real disaster, and they managed to protect the race. Um, and while there were some negative ramifications of that, you know, we didn't get um to see the horses saddled up. You know, race scores weren't allowed down to the winners' enclosure for security reasons. Um, there was no parade before the race. You know, there was a big cost for this, which is so frustrating because this is a tiny number of people, Vanessa. They shouldn't have this power over but us. We don't help ourselves, that... though, Kev, when, like, you go back to the Grand National meeting and, and ITV have given them so much airtime and showing them what, showing everybody, the public, what they're doing. Why well, in, in fairness, at the time, Daryl, it, it, was, it, it was a news story. And I know it, it's a point of debate. And, and I think since um, editorial policy has changed, and that they're they're very much going out of their way not to give them the attention. But at that at that time in that moment, I don't want to knock them for doing it because it 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 really it graduated from uh you know from how you treat a streaker uh, at a sporting event you know which isn't a news story that's just an idiot on on the pitch you know this this had morphed from sports into news and the editorially I think they had to um give it some attention um but look it, it it's a very frustrating thing and I hope um with a view to the future that you know that this this protester ben human actually the the, the the guy that i debated one time on on the radio that wanted to put all the horses in sanctuaries 
um, like, a, like a deer in the headlights, fair play to him. At least he had the 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 testicular fortitude to go and do his own thing rather than sending some young fella onto the track. Um, but he's going to be punished to it in the full capabilities of, of the law now. Like the jockey club said, like pre-race, look, if anyone defies this injunction, we're throwing everything at it. Like we're we're gonna get this, we're gonna get anyone that steps out of line here um and breaks the law. You know, we're not gonna let up, we're gonna show no mercy. And and that will be the case here. And hopefully think, it sets up a, a real strong deterrent against anyone else carrying on like this going forward. Yeah. Hopefully it will do, because obviously within Animal Rising themselves, they've got their group of supporters, but out of those supporters, only a fraction of them will be a very small fraction will be willing to put their lives, their livelihood, their criminal record on the line. Do you see what I mean? Like lots of people can get yeah. behind and do a friendly protest, but lots Absolutely, of people yeah. like there's, there's a very small percentage of that group that would actually want to get on a track as proved mm. on the Derby itself. But Daryl, like just to wrap this up, how do we move on from this? Or is this the future now? I mean, what's going to happen at Glorious Goodwood, at Sandown, at all the big meetings coming up, at Royal Ascot itself? Obviously, we had a protest the last year at Royal Ascot. And I'm just nervous. that is, is this the state of affairs now? Is this what we're going to have to deal with? Well, any sort of tiny smidgen of a case that they thought they may have had has just sort of gone up in smoke a little bit by, you know, going against everything they've said about they're there for the horse's welfare, etc. by that one idiot running onto the track when the derby has been run. And that and that is now good ammo for us as racing to say, look, you know, stop platforming these people. You know, they're actually not doing what they're saying they're going to do. They're actually interfering with the horses. They're going to cause a, a big incident. And um, <clears throat> I think that, that the longer this goes on, I think public perception is just going to naturally turn, turn against them. Yes, we're probably going to have to be a bit more vigilant Shouldn't we be anyway? Shouldn't we have more security at the tracks? You know, what's stopping a drunken idiot just getting on the track at one point? You know, perhaps perhaps going forward, we should have more security and things at uh, race courses just for an all-round better experience for, for race goers. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. We're probably going to have to fight it, but, but horse racing needs to stand up for itself and have a backbone. And I think this weekend yeah. was the start of us showing that backbone. Yeah, look, Good. just a general like Vanessa, that. quickly. I know, yeah. I know, we've given it loads of time, but I think yeah, we can, we on. can, we can help, we can help ourselves as well. In that, like, I don't think we need to be making this a horse racing debate with, with Animal Rising. Like, they're not equipped for for a proper debate about racing. I don't think it's their real focus. Um, Nigel Farage, of all people, um, actually got got to the the nub of this when he quizzed up one of their reps last week and started quizzing him about their attitude, their 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 beliefs with regard to domestic pets. Things like that, and and their their rep said, yeah, I you know our vision of a, a, an ideal world and future is one without you know people keeping cats and dogs as possessions. You know, I think that's something that we can focus on. You know, yeah. especially on especially, and this is to all the listeners, especially anyone that engages with this on social media. You know, pull it back to that, broaden it out. You know, emphasize their views on domestic pets. You know, because yeah. I think a lot of people, um, you know, really in the general public, they won't really care one way or the other with horse racing. But tell them that these people don't think they should have a, a Fido at their foot. Um, and, and, you know, even to take it an even a step further, you know, they, 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 they don't agree ethically with the use of guide dogs, you know, sniffer dogs, you know, service yeah, animals. You know, yeah. this is it's, it's extreme stuff. And if we can just shine a light on, on just how extreme their views are, and those are their views, you know, I think it yeah. discredits them with, with a much wider audience. And rather than rather than getting dragged down 
into an actual debate about the merits of racing, which which we know we have. We know we're on top of. We know the job we do, the standards we keep. You know, I think shining a light on them and what they really believe in and what they're working towards is probably um, will have more greater good in the long run. Well said. Okay. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important halftime break. Or deposit limits to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Right, we can leave them behind now and try and give them as little airtime as possible. So let's move on to talk all things horse racing again and actual performances. Brendan, if we're talking about Auguste Rodin being a standout three-year-old colt this year, was he even the standout three-year-old colt this weekend is my question I put to you. Because over in France, ace Mm. impact in the Prix Mm. de Jockey Club for the Jean-Claude Rouget team. I mean, if you weren't impressed by that, you should get out the game, right? Isn't that right, Brendan? I mean, this was just a this was just a savage run. I mean, the the, the right horse was second, big rock. Uh, and he's been going about winning all the recognized trials in the same way, just grinding horses into submission. And the, this ace impact, it was only the fourth run of his life. He only started in, in January and he was stepping up from listed company. Um, he, he's, he's still unbeaten. And not only did he get to Big Rock, because he was, he, he was a touch keen early on. The jockey had to get him settled, but he, he did that. Not only did he get to Big Rock, but he ran by him and put three and a half lengths into him, but another two and a half lengths back to the French Guineas winner. I mean, like they were stood still, Brendan. Well, I was, I mean, it was was a devastating performance. He surged for two furlongs. I mean, it's it's, it's not often you see that and was sustaining it all, burst through the line. It was, it was a massive deal. It's interesting this thing that he started in January, isn't it? So, what do you, what do you do with him? Will he give him a midsummer break now? Because obviously, he's been in in training a, a bit longer than most horses, and it's not like they were working back from the arc, didn't know what they had. In, in, in January, so now Rouget thinking about working back for that. And I don't want to put word in Jean Claude's mouth, but I mean he has previous with the Irish Champion Stakes. Johnny G, as we know, has won the Irish Champion Stakes uh, with, with a filly. He could lob the uh, up John in and August. Well done. We can expect Aiden to run them all three. You know the race I'm talking about, Vanessa. The Irish Champion Stakes. I will oh, be yes. there in September, and I put it to those three trainers. Well, I know Aiden will be there. He never lets me down. But I put it to John Claude and Johnny G, JC and JG, if you will, that they should be there to join me. Absolutely. Uh, on, a, on a side note, Brendan, I feel like you're the sort of person who'd get along with Jean-Claude Rouget. You'd like to right. go for a glass of red with him, would you? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I, I know he's um, he's had two Irish champion stakes, but I don't think I could pick him out of a, a lineup, though. I, I, I don't really? follow. Uh, yeah, no, I don't follow uh, French races. I, I tune in for the classics and the, and the arc trials, etc. And um I'm trying to picture him in the parade ring in Leopardstown. I've obviously been there, but I, I, I he's just sort of can't tall picture. with like curly hair. He looks very French. Oh, does he? Okay, well, uh, he's a, he's a, surely not as French as Francois Dumas, the most French-looking man. And that price, no. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 um, he he it, this horse should be fab for the arc. Oh wow! I'm not, sure, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with him. I think he's going to give him a break mid-season because he started in January. Yeah. Then bring him back for the Irish Champion Stakes. 
see what happens there. You take a lot of beating wherever he goes. And then uh, on to the arc. And also, shout out to Cracksman, who hasn't been pulling up any trees. But in fairness, this mm. is his first crop. Uh, they, they were never going to be early two-year-olds, for example. He didn't really have many back-end two-year-olds. I mean, it, it, it's only one horse, but he's a very exciting horse. So they all may not be doomed for Cracksman. No, yeah, in, fa- in fairness, like Cracksman had, had generated a fair bit of chat now, kind of, you know, surprisingly early last season, he was throwing up a few early winners when, you know, like like many would have expected him to have, you know, more back-end types. But he, he, he did show plenty of promise, I thought, now last time. Um, last year and should this fella now is will really set him alight and it's a point worth making like they broke the track record here um, like Big Rock set um, the, the race record I should say time like Big Rock set like a proper pace and like he's a he's a very good horse like I wouldn't be surprised if he comes if he comes back in trip um, but this fella just swept in a in in a in a really impressive manner. Like I think he could be a top notcher as well. Um, you know, French Guineas winner back in third, feed the flame, a horse that have been hugely impressive. Um, you know, back and forth, having started from a similar position as Ace Impact. So yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be pouring cold water on this fella at all now. I think he could be very good. He was four Darryl, points. haven't we been blessed this weekend, right? So we're waxing lyrical about August Rodin. We're waxing lyrical about Ace Impact. If Tony Garvin was here, he'd be pu- putting a pin in all of our balloons, lads, but he's not. So let's just run wild with the excitement <laughs> levels. Um, but then also, we haven't even spoken about the Phillies. You know, not only Soul Sister, who we'll get to in mm. due course, but Emily Upjohn put up a sparkling performance in the coronation a race that I was so looking forward to. I had so much depth, so many layers. We discussed it in detail on last week on the shows. And it really delivered. But wow, like if she can just keep it at that level this season and keep consistent, she's going to add some real spice into those middle distance races. Yeah, she was ridiculously impressive. Like it's going to take a very good one to beat her over 10 or, or, or 12. She just showed such a blistering turn of foot. I think her closing section was were off the chart. Um, I, I do I do feel like there was a, a bad ride in here, which I don't normally like to call out, but I, I didn't like the ride on Westover, I must say. Um, I, I thought sitting there trying to win the race for a turn of foot, I thought was a bit a bit wrong. I thought, you know, pre-race preparation should have said that there was lack of pace in the race, go out, pop out and try and, you know, at least put some put some stamina into the contest. It was, um, but but Emily Upjohn was just ridiculously impressive. She, she's so very lightly raced. Um, she, she looks like a colt. I mean, from TV, I haven't seen her in the flesh, but you'll, you'll be able to tell me otherwise. But she's a big strap in Philly, and uh, yeah, she's exciting for the season. The hood's obviously been pretty um, key to, to to her with her temperament. She can be very keen in the early stages of the race, but that hood seems to have done the trick now. And uh, yeah, she she's very exciting for the season going ahead. That's for sure. But I would just like to see Westover punched out, make the run in. You know, I'm fed up. I hate seeing these horses, Vanessa, run on, run on. We mentioned White Birch earlier on. We just keep running on and keep claiming that place money. I want to see these horses punched out, given a better position and uh, really, you know, attack and uh, and really see what Westover's made of because he's threatened to be a very, very good horse. But, we but that's just it, Daryl. It's, it's, it's been a threat with him, not mm. a reality, I'm afraid. And we're a year on from when yeah. he first threatened in the derby itself. We're 12 months on. I know not much racing. But there's always a little excuse with Westover, whether you're picking up a bad ride or what you think is a bad mm. ride the other day, whether it's his antics over in Maidan and how he got too keen in this pre-preparation gallop, mm. whether he was unlucky in the derby itself, whether he flopped at Ascot, whatever it might be. I just feel like we've all sort of latched on to Westover as a really good horse. But maybe, Brendan, he's just not that good. 
<laughs> well, I think you're being very. I think you're being very harsh there. I mean, that was a big effort in Dubai. I'm, I, I'm not being anything. I'm just putting <laughs> it to you. Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> excellent devil's advocacy there for for, for you, Vanessa. I I too thought like Daryl that he didn't get the best ride. Now I don't think he should have made the run and given his antics before, and I was surprised how well he settled given given how how warm he got. Uh, but I think the mistake Hornby made was when he made he moved out turning for home to go past the front two, and then he just paused. Now whatever mm. Westover is, and I think he's a very good horse. Whatever he is, he is not a horse with push button acceleration. So uh, if you watch that, just as they turn around, there was some drone footage. The Tory is getting after Emily Upjohn, and he then takes the light lane away from Hornby. And then Westover, as, as you have observed, does have his antics. He was kind of running down the camber. And I think Hornby thought he was going to have to go around Emily Upjohn. He never got to her anyway. Uh, but so he was kind of fighting him against the camber as well. I didn't think it was a brilliant ride. I thought he should have known better than to just pause when, when that gap was there. But having said that, he was a little bit unlucky because I think Frankie was taken by surprise by Emily Upjohn. I think he was just trying to keep her in contention and she just went whoosh and, and took off. Like she was probably in front. She was in front before the two furlong markers. She was probably in front plenty soon enough. And I mean, they just must be just absolutely delighted. I mean, Daryl mentioned uh, 10 furlongs. They can do what they want with this, Philly, with, mm. with, with that th- turn of foot. And the most encouraging thing was how well she settled. I was really worried because both herself and Westover came out in sympathy with one another in the King George last year by going bananas before the race. And she just refused to settle so that race was a write-off for her she was unlucky in the oaks you you, you could basically say that anytime she's had a chance to win she she's won and i do think for all that westover could have got a better ride she was much the, much the best in this in this race and uh, again the the g he's got to be thinking irish champion stakes right god the irish champion stakes already this is just one of these things that is going to set us up for such disappointment because we're going to talk about it endlessly with the excitement that Brendan's bringing to this show. And then you know how these things go. But anyway, let's stay positive. Kev, quick mention to another filly, of course, Soul Sister winning the Oaks. Bit of humble pie for me. Didn't She wasn't my selection. I was very negative about her. And yet Frankie just riding out of his skin, as has been so discussed, of course, in his sort of last hurrah year. And he goes and delivers another Oaks. And she's now four to one from six to one for the Ribblesdale. And she's got loads of options as well, surely. How good an Oaks was it? Yeah, like it, it, she, she was really good. It was a very classy performance. Um, she was the fastest fitty and, you know, she showed her class. Um, saved the last dance. You know, we were all blown away with what she did at Chester. Um, she just, like, I think she handled the ground fine. But like maybe she'd a hard enough race at Chester, you know. Maybe the race felt a bit a little bit behind her. Look, I know she what she did herself, regardless of the opposition, was really impressive. But she just looked a bit dour here. Um, she stays very well. I'd say she'd have no trouble going up and trip if they wanted to. But so sister, you know, Frankie was really confident. Um, Carnival Carnival ran some race in fairness for oh. for Jack Shannon. Um, you know, made. So sister, think about it there for a while until she asserted her authority late on. But like that's what a journey that Philly's been on, you know, from falling in in a, in a nursery in air off a mark of 70 back in September to finishing placed in an Oaks. Like it's it's unbelievable. Uh, it keeps the dream alive for a lot of people, I dare, I dare say. But um, so sister, yeah, class act. 
Um, wouldn't be surprised if she ends up in, you know, an arc at the back end of the season, three all Phillies record, etc. Um, and another one for that boy, Frankel. He, he's not bad, is he? <laughs> no, he really isn't. I didn't know whether you were going to say that boy, Frankel, or that boy, Frankie then. But, you know. Yeah, well, a bit, a bit, a bit of both. You yeah, know, Frankel ha- has the Oaks, has the Oaks winner and then is the... The, the the sire of the sire of the sire of the Friedrich Hockey Club winner like he's uh, yeah he's he's Bosman, isn't he he is he is um let's move on away from the racing few issues that oh just one tiny thing Vanessa shout out to Andrew Cooper by the way for the ground I think he set it up mm. for Soul Sister in terms of the Oaks is normally sacrificed at the altar at the Derby but as you said a thrilling day's races on Friday because we were seeing horses quickening up and winning races with a devastating turn of foot he told them the ground is good to firm. It's been warm. They're flat horses. Get on with it. Like he said in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes, and there were no notable non-runners. Arrest, obviously, was inconvenienced by the ground, but they took a chance because it's the derby. So uh, for, for, for all that we've been moaning about the ground, and quite rightly, uh, Leicester last Tuesday was an egregious example of uh, overwatering. I thought the boy Cooper did a sterling job. Yeah, That's one right, one very one very high profile jockey opined that um, the ground on Friday was the fastest he'd ever known it on the Friday. And this is a fellow that would have been would have ridden in twenty oaks, um, so I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, but like Brendan says, you know, good on him. It's we're in the middle of summer, and we got it the racing is. we got because the ground was proper flat racing ground. Um, let's move on because few issues away from the horse racing itself. Let's go back to the start, Daryl. The start of the dash. This is going to be a big enough talking point for a little while, or it has been already. Um, Obviously, most of you listeners and viewers out there will have seen it by now. The start of the five furlong sprint at Epsom, four of the stalls opened late due to a horse. And I think it was stall 14 seemingly hitting the stalls, causing a slight malfunction. A second or a split second late they opened. As a result, it was deemed that the horses that obviously got a fair jump were given an advantage to the ones that were um disadvantage due to the stalls opening a fraction late but what should have been done Daryl? should it have been voided should they have been declared non-runners was the whirlpool betting a big factor here with the stewards and the bha's decision would that have opened up a can of worms what to make of this mess yeah this should have been voided um like yeah it should have been a void race i mean the, the phrase you need to work by really is steward if the punters can't win they shouldn't be able to lose Right now, I don't care whether they have come out and said, you know, they don't feel it affected the the balance of the field. Of course, it bloody affected it. Like, like of course it did. It's the fastest five furlong race in the world, the Epsom Downs. You know, and that split second, I tell you why that affects affects the race so much, right? Because a lot of people think that being drawn high over five furlongs is is really favorable okay but the statistics will tell you that it's actually better or more profitable for punters to back the low draw numbers now the issue with being drawn high over the five furlong course at epsom is if you can break quickly and get out and get on that rail great you can keep rolling it's it's probably a slight advantage but if you break slowly the nature of this race sees a lot of the low numbers drawn they migrate towards the stand side and what that does is it causes carnage and blocked pastures and horses trapped in behind so it, the, the start for those high drawn numbers is extremely important it's extremely important more so than those drawn low but it's a five furlong race everybody should be breaking on ter- on terms and the fact that these horses finished 19th, uh, 14th, 15th, 17th, and 20th, 20th, you know, 
these were fancied horses in this race, including Live in the Moment, the favourite. Like, this has not been a, a fair shake of the stick for punters. And, and yet again, punters get shafted with things like this, whether it be the removal of hurdles because of low sun or removal of stalls because we've had a bit of lightning strikes, we're going to do a flag start. Uh, all these things two minutes before the off don't help punters. And, and they get enough and we get enough, you know, you know, um, kicks in the bollocks, if you like, throughout the year. But things like this, where they can control, this was a malfunction of the stalls. This is no fault of the punter. This should have been a void race. End of. I couldn't care less about whirlpool betting, about all the knock-on effect, all the, you know, you've got to look after punters. And if you're not looking after punters, it's a downhill slope. Strong views. Mm. Strong views indeed. Brandon, where do you sit on this? Well, I don't think they could void it. Because I'm trying to get the timeline right. So they, they've said in the stewards report that we were, we were looking into the start, but they didn't announce an inquiry. So, I, I mean, this only works. You have to announce an inquiry to hold all bets if, if, if you've any chance to. So I think that they just got in touch with the start and the start said, yeah, it was grand. One of them burst through the stalls, but there was no big deal. And then they've gone, all right, okay, well, the result is fine. Then someone's come back at them and said, well, if you look at it in slow motion, actually some of the stars, didn't, but it's, it's too late by then. The bookies have paid out, the toad have paid out, everyone has, has weighed in. They haven't announced an inquiry. So at that stage, it's very difficult to avoid. I mean, okay, they might just say, oh, it's fine. The bookies will just uh, pay out the winners anyway. Like Dara was saying, the, the punters get shafted. I mean, that's true to a degree, but usually the bookies pick up the slack with some justice refunds, don't they? So... And then the guy, Parker, comes out and sort of tries to, to control the narrative. I, I actually, I saw a few people uh, give him Matt Chapman a, a, a tough time saying he didn't do a good job interviewing. I thought he, I thought he did a perfectly good job. I, you're, so you, did you, I, actually, yeah. You're, you're, you're in the media game and you have to ask people questions. Now, there is this theory with like Jeremy Paxman and Michael Howard that you just keep banging on, banging on, banging on until you get the answer you want. But they're never going to change their line. You ask the questions and then he gives his answers and let the viewers decide. And I mean, some some of the things he said, I mean, first of all, he used the word holistic. Now, whenever I start using the word holistic, <laughs> I say, you know, <laughs> you know, you've won. Let's put it like that. But and then, uh, he, 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 he starts going on about it and he says, yeah, but if you look at it in real time, which is absolutely true in real time. I mean, I didn't notice any of this till it, till it, till it blew up on Twitter. But what he's saying basically is, yeah, well, you have to look at it in real time because if you don't look at it in real time, it looks really bad. And this is, this is all happening so much after the fact that they now haven't got the opportunity. They haven't called an inquiry, so they now haven't really got the opportunity to void the race. They're not allowed, apparently, to declare these horses non-runners, although I don't think they could have done that anyway, because, again, how do you retrospectively apply rule force to the bookies just pick up the slack? The rule is if the horse is prevented from starting due to a faulty action of the starting stalls or the horse is riderless from the off, they're the ones... Uh, so it, 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 strict interpretation of that is well there's not much interpretation is that the stalls could open at any stage they could open after a furlong and the horse still can't be voided so they, they might have to look into that rule it's going to be another one of these lessons have been learned Vanessa isn't it but I, I think the main do you know the main I wanted to play to bingo I wanted to play <laughs> bingo on this show and I knew you were going to say lessons have well, been learned I knew well, you were well, going to say I always like to give you give you a shout out because we both use it. I use holistic, and uh, you use it to get out of anything with your bosses. And I, I I think they're they're great. But the 
They're the, not the, robbed. The, lessons have been learned. Le, less, le, 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 lessons have been learned. But the main thing is, if you're looking into anything as stewards, if that's what they were actually doing, now I don't. I think this guy Parker, I think they missed it completely. And it'd be much better being honest with people and say, look, we missed this. We we didn't look at the slow motion in time, and now we can't buy the race. But he didn't do that. And Chapman, I thought did did a, did a grand job letting him hang himself. Uh, but uh, they, if you are looking into anything after race, you have to announce it to the public and the betting public and the bookmakers. You just have to. That's the thing. But that brings in the timing issue, Kev, of this, because um, you were there on track. When did this become apparent that it was an issue, Kev? Because if it's only being flagged up on Twitter and then being fed back sort of after all the jockeys have weighed in and the results stand, so to speak, then... As Brendan's saying, does that mean that they've missed any opportunity to avoided it? And are we just ridiculous talking about it being voided anyway? Are you with Daryl or are you which side of the coin are you on? Um, yeah, look, the timelines are crucial here. And to be honest, I'm, I'm still really not sure what the timelines were. Certainly in the moment, um, none of none of us, and I don't think many people watching the race picked it up because it is, it is quite a split second thing. And it was only maybe 10 or 15 minutes afterwards that the conversation started. And there was what, a bit did of... Did someone there, just come over to you guys at ITV and say, guys, just so you know, there might have been a problem with the start of the dash? Yeah, look, the, the owner of, of Live in the Moment was very upset. Um, uh, uh, and he, he was on... Oh, he was on, he was on, wasn't he, on Sky Sports Racing yesterday talking about it. Um, and look, the, 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 obviously, the round, it started doing the rounds on social media, um, lots of eagle eyes on there as well. Um, and look, do, do I feel as strong as Daryl about it? I, I'm somewhere in the middle. Look, clearly those horses were inconvenienced, um, but were they inconvenienced to the extent that they couldn't possibly win the race? I don't think so. Um, the funny things happen in horse races. One on one shots get beaten all the time. They're in the race. They're running. Um, they're definitely an inconvenience, especially the likes of Live in the Moment, who's a front runner and had the plum drawn, ended up you know missing it by three lengths or so, whatever it was. And Jackie lost an iron as well, which I'd say was probably a consequence of um, the 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 what happened at the stalls. So it's really tricky. Do you avoid the whole race, even if you had the option, as Brendan says, if they've already weighed in before they've copped on and they clearly don't have that option? Um, do you avoid the whole race because of it? Um, possibly would set a dangerous precedent. Do you make them non-runners and inflict rule force on everyone else? Um, it's really tricky. It's really tricky. If it was a bit more pronounced and the stalls stayed shut for a second, we'll say, for example, rather than a split second, the conversation gets a lot gets a lot more um a lot more interesting um it's difficult but look i think the processes might have fallen foul here in that i i, I don't think they 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 copped on what had happened until it was too late and i'm not going to knock them i didn't see it but at the end of the day it's not me or you or anyone else's job bar, bar the stewards to spot these things they have all the angles they have all the cameras um they should be clarifying that a, a fair start has been affected you know, as as a matter of protocol for every race, I dare say it takes it takes a couple of seconds when you have the footage in the facilities to slow down and um and and look closely. So I'd say hopefully, Brendan, lessons will be learned. Um, but I'd say yeah, the the, the interview, Sean. I've looked fair play to Sean Parker for coming out. He's not under no obligation to do so now. But like Manny, I think that it probably wasn't the most satisfactory set of answers you'll hear. In, in the circumstances, but uh, and I can understand why connections 
of those involved and those that back those involved would be upset. But um, I'm almost tempted to wheel out another cliche, Vanessa. Um, that's um. racing. That's racing. <laughs> Sometimes things go against you and they're deeply, they're deeply unsatisfactory and frustrating. But um, sometimes they work for you. Um, the, the backers of the winner might uh, probably had quite a wry smile. Yeah, but um, there'd be, be more people that back losers there, and like it's the knock on effect yeah, in the yeah, view for that sure. it will give, and like the you know, the talk, the whispers around are oh, no, it's fixed, it's rigged, it's this, it's all, yeah, that, oh, all yeah. that horrible content we don't need and don't want. Yeah, anymore. they had they have an opportunity to right a wrong, I felt. Um, I know the, time, they, I know the timeline's difficult, uh, but what, yeah. are they, what are they doing at the start of the race? Are they not watching these stuff? Like the stewards surely are watching the stalls at the start of the race, surely in the, in the offices, aren't yeah, they? Well, look at. <laughs> I suppose it's one of those things, should they be, clearly. But I suppose 99.9999% of races are started perfectly fairly from the stalls. Um, should they be watching? Yes, but they are human. And I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm trying to downplay what happened. It was clearly deeply unsatisfactory. And I'd feel um, absolutely, I, I appreciate the frustration that those that were affected felt. Um, but it is, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a real tricky one, in fairness. A real tricky one. And I, I am... I'm tempted to put it down to that's racing, um, unfortunately. <laughs> that's <laughs> racing. God, two cliches wheeled out on this pod. Tony will be fuming with us. Um, shall we wrap up with a few other news topics from the week that was? The PJA is in a terrible mess, isn't it, Daryl? We've got people stepping down from the board. We've got half the weighing room stepping up to be on the PJA board. And the CEO, Ian McMahon, is leaving. We're ho- I think many people are hopeful of a return from Paul Struthers, but we haven't heard a confirmation or whether that's just hope and whispers. Um, but all in all, it's an association with not much leadership right now. Yeah, the jockeys clearly don't think that they're being represented in the right way. Um, but I suspect this is a, a six of one and half a dozen of the other, if you like, because... Um, I think there's frustration from both sides about, and it comes down to communication, doesn't it? It comes down to the lack of communication, but obviously the resignation of Mick Fitzgerald, John Holmes, Simon Cox, now CEO Ian McManon is just, it just shows that the, the, the partnership between the jockeys and the uh, PJA is just in a bit of a disarray. And uh, I, don't, I don't, I haven't really got the, 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 the place to solve it, the mind to solve it, if you like, but that to me, there seems to be, there needs to be some sort of liaison between the two. And, um, I think um, uh, what's his name, Paul. What's his name, Paul Struthers? Yeah, I think that when he was in charge, I think he he was a bit more hands on with a, with a lot of these jockeys. According to reports, was a lot more hands on and was, you know, very much in the forefront on the firing line for them, working for them. Whereas I feel that the jockey, a lot of jockeys have said that Ian McMahon was very sort of distant behind the scenes and it was so yeah it's a it's a whole mess but it's, it comes down to communication doesn't it and obviously at the time we're talking about whip rules and everything like that it's, there's a lot going on there's a lot to digest so perhaps change is good change is always good yeah the, i mean there's a lot of change in racing full stop in recent times obviously specifically to the whip rules for the jockeys that affects them directly but lots of other things have changed over the last few months and years since covid etc kevin what does the pja what do the jockeys need from the PJA? What do they need at the very top of their organisation? What do they need? As much as what the jockeys need, I think what the jockeys need to do is engage better um, because I think we've seen a whole heap of examples where the PJA have contributed to, to debates and very important debates have been a part of the decision-making process 
and when the decisions have been made, the jockeys have then started rearing up. Um, you know, you, you got to rear up during the process if 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 that's how you feel. And there seems to be a lot of that. And I know it's been echoed around some other interest groups in racing that, you know, that engagement is a problem and that they only tend to speak up after the decisions have been made, which is really unsatisfactory for everyone and leads to all sorts of, um, you know, difficult situations, as we've seen around the whip um, is the prime example. Um, so, look, this was this was a coup by all accounts. You know, a, a big portion of the board was ousted. The boss man was ousted. And there's clearly a groundswell that want serious change. Um, a whole heap of new board members put in. Um, I'm sure they'd love Paul Strutters back. Will Paul Strutters want to go back? I don't know. Um, he's formed his own company. I'm sure he's doing very well. Extremely capable man, as we all know. Um, yeah, he's, he's in a pretty strong position. If he did want to come back, he could name his number, I'm sure. Um, reminds me a little bit of the Simpsons episode where Homer, Homer becomes uh, the sanitation commissioner and ma- makes an absolute mess of it. And uh, Ray Patterson is invited back to retake his old job. He struts back onto the stage to to, to the music being played. He gets up and he says, uh, I can't tell you how, how happy I am to see you wallowing in, in your own mess. Uh, thank you. Screw you. Goodbye. And walks back <laughs> up again to, to the same music that played him on. Um, so look, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. Look, I think the jockeys need to, uh, hopefully this is, this is, um, a wake up call for them that, Hey, you can't just, you can't just let, let Paul Strutter sort out your problems as he would have in the past. You have to engage with the process. If you have an opinion, let it be known. And, um, you know, they're, they're there to be a representative. Um, body, but they're representing you. You have to tell them what you want if, if um, to to be part of the process. You know. I think the thing is about the people that they have put on the board. There's, I think, there's a six jockeys that are all current riding jockeys who have stepped up to be on the board. A variety of ages, a variety of different types of sort of, as far as I can tell, sort of views and personalities and people. Obviously, we had jockey representation before Brendan, but on the board there was a flat jockey and a jumps jockey, but. Now it feels like having more jockeys, you're going to get a broader, uh, I suppose they can cast their net wider in terms of saying to the people that they're upside in the weighing room, come on, guys, get involved, give your feedback, communication, communication, etc. Well, no, it, it absolutely does sound great. And going forward, slipped another one in there, Vanessa, going forward, that would be ideal. But Kevin mentioned a coup. I mean, the, there is a militant aspect to this, isn't that they are still not happy about these whip rules. Now, the curious thing about them is that it doesn't seem to be affecting the bigger races. It would make more sense if the, the lads were going to win at all costs in, in the bigger races. But I haven't seen any um, high profile, uh, uh, sorry, bans in high profile races, should I say. But there are some serious punishments being dished out and the jockeys are not happy. And this coup is that, that that's probably what lit that fire and the next step would be industrial action i i mean are they just going to let this lie and say oh well from now on if they try to do anything we'll we'll have our guys on the panel and they'll head it off or are they going to say this is unacceptable we're going on strike i mean it's it's, it's not a million is it it's definitely not a million no i mean i hope it doesn't come to that but it's definitely not a million uh to be continued all things pja to be continued i am sure uh, before we wrap up i don't know much about this story but kevin it's broken earlier today i think that singapore racing is is no more as of today is that right i have no idea what's going on over there but please explain 
No, it's coming to an end at, at um, towards the end of 2024. Um, really, really disappointing for all involved out there. Um, there, there were heavy rumours about this um, last week, and they had a they had a meeting today, I think, and announced this. Um, though racing in Singapore, like, used to be quite a big deal. Like, they had a couple of international races there. There would have been won by some very high profile horses. They they brought that international meeting to an end about uh, six or seven or eight years ago. Um, at the time, which was a big surprise at the times, they were quite successful. And I said, well, the, these races have achieved the aim of, um, you know, making Singapore racing more prominent on the international stage. And now, um, a relatively few short years later, they've said, okay, yeah, we're, we're finished with horse racing here. Um, they want to redevelop the race course into, um, into homes, into apartment blocks, etc. And, uh, it's really disappointing. Lots, lots of really good people out there. Um, horsemen, people involved in the business, um, and they're now going to have to up and out, unfortunately. Um, and it's sad. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, and it's not for for any reason other than it's just it seems to have fallen out of favor of the government for whatever reason. Um, like it's not like they've been out protesting, calling for it to come to an end. Like I think it's quite popular out there, but um, it goes to show you, ladies and gentlemen, you can't um, you can't sit in your laurels and when. Uh, you know, change change comes slowly, but the end the end comes quickly, and um, yeah, really really sad for for everyone involved in in horse racing in Singapore. Wow, a bit of a depressing note to end on. Change comes slowly, but the end comes quickly. Hopefully, this isn't the end for you on Wade In, Daryl. How have you enjoyed your debut voyage on the show? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I know it was going to end on a, on a sour note there, thanks to Kev, but I, 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 was, just about to, <laughs> I was just about to say that I, I thought Animal Rising might have got their tentacles out over at, uh, over into Singapore. But then I was thinking about tentacles and I was thinking about jellyfish. And then, Vanessa, I thought no. you mentioned something about a, a jellyfish. Yeah. So instead of ending on a sour note, it'd be nice if you, you ended on a nice story for us. No, <laughs> Daryl's shouting me here because we, we have our pre our pre recording chat fifteen minutes before we press record on this podcast. Obviously, none of the public ever gets to hear about any of that. But on that chat, for some reason, Lord knows why, it's because I blame Kevin Blake. We were waiting for Kevin. I ended up talking about the time I stood on a sea urchin, and I will just leave it at this: that a, I I think she's pretty famous, Brendan. She's famous, right? Yeah, yeah, she's famously good looking anyway. A famously good looking singer, songwriter, yeah, lead yeah, on yeah, my foot yeah. to numb the yeah. pain. I'm going to leave it at that. And you can all just picture that. And on that note, join us again on Thursday for Racing Only Better. We'll be back, of course, previewing the weekend's action. And in the meantime, everyone, have a jolly good week. <laughs>